Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, once again, good morning and welcome to Encounter Church. We are excited that you're here. How many of you are ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Amen. Well, I believe that God's going to speak into our lives in a real way this morning. Today, we're not here just because of the fact that it's Easter Sunday morning. Today, we're not just here for a service. Today, we are here because Jesus is all in for you. Jesus conquered everything for you. Now, this phrase, all in, that's our phrase for the year at Encounter Church. We've just spent the last three months processing through the fact that God has called us to be more than just pew sitters. God's called us to be more than just people that punch a religious time card. God's called us to be more than just people that that carry a Bible. He's called us to be people that are all in, that apply the Word of God into our hearts and into our lives. Now, last Sunday, we looked at the fact that God is all in. But today, I want you to understand that Jesus himself is all in. You see, Jesus is not just looking for a weekend romance with you. Jesus isn't just looking for a casual conversation with you. Jesus desires that you go all in in your commitment and your relationship with him. So today, I want to share with you the fact that Jesus is all in. But but here's the deal. Jesus is not asking you to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. Come on, let that sink in today. Jesus is not asking you to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. Let me step back for a moment. Perhaps you're here today and you're new to church. Maybe you're only here because it's Easter Sunday morning. Maybe you're here because somebody invited you, or maybe you saw a yard sign or a billboard around the community. But regardless what brought you here to the Smith Cotton High School Performing Arts Center for Easter Sunday morning with the Encounter Church, regardless what brought you here, I want you to know that God has something incredible in store for you today. How do I know that? I know that because there have been many people praying for you. We may not have known you by name. We may not have known ahead of time that you were coming, but we were praying that God would show up in this place, that God would take those that are broken and begin to put them back together. We've been praying that God will take those that are hurting and give them peace. We've been praying that God would take relationships that are severed and falling apart and and rejoin them together. You see, we've been praying for you. So I believe that God has something that he wants to share with you today. That very first Easter, around the cross, you had Jesus in the center and two thieves on either side. 
Now, I can imagine that around the cross there was a, a myriad of emotions. You had those that had faithfully followed Jesus in his ministry of of three and a half years. They had followed side by side with him. They had learned from him. They had watched what he had done. And in this moment, confusion begins to set in. They thought that hope, they thought that something was going to change. They thought that their Savior was here, but suddenly they see him unrecognizable, hanging on a cross moments from death. But then you had those that were mocking him, shouting, crucify him! If you really are the Son of God, if you really are the King of kings and Lord of lords, climb off that cross, save yourself. Even one of the criminals that if you're the Son of God, save yourself and save me too. Confusion, fear, doubts, worry, accusations, all these things were moving around the cross that day. Now imagine that in a room of people like this, we have much the same. We have those that have come in here this morning and you're hurting. It's been an incredibly difficult week. Your marriage is on the verge of destruction. Perhaps you've lost your job or you've gotten bad news from the doctor. Maybe you find yourself barely holding on, ready to throw in the towel. I want you to know, in this roller coaster of emotions, in this roller coaster of uncertainty, I want you to know that God has a plan for you. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Not plans for death, not plans for destruction, but plans for hope and a future. God has a plan for you. And, and all that he asks is that we will surrender ourselves to him, that we will turn ourselves to him, that we will say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. And if we're honest with ourselves, none of us can. Because we all fall short. We all mess up. I venture to say, if I was to ask you how many of you messed up this week, the majority, if not all of us, would say, yeah, a time or two. Some of us on the way to church this morning. Some of us last night. But God says, I I've got a plan for you, hope and a future. See, the Bible tells me that his mercies, they never run out. In fact, they're new every morning. That great is his faithfulness, that his love endures forever. God has that love for you, and God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Our text today is John chapter 15, verse 13, and it simply says this, Greater love has no one than this. That someone laid down his life for his friends. Did you know that that's what Jesus did for you? That's the love 
that Jesus has. That's why he came to this earth with the sole purpose of one day climbing on the cross of Calvary, taking the sins of the world, your mistakes and my mistakes, dying a death that he didn't deserve to die, paying a price that he didn't deserve to pay. I remember as a kid, we used to sing a song, and maybe you did growing up. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay. But he goes on to say this, I needed someone. I needed someone to wash my sins away. That's the all-in gift of Jesus. That's why Jesus came. He loves you so much that he willfully gave it all for you. For the next few moments, I want to share with you three demonstrations of Jesus' all-in for you. Number one is this. Jesus surrendered his will for you. Jesus surrendered his will for you. Now, here's what you've got to wrap yourself around today. Nobody made Jesus climb on the cross. Well, pastor, I I beg to differ. I think there were soldiers all around him that were dragging him and beating him and forced him to carry a cross. But I want you to understand that any moment, at any time, in that process, Jesus could have said, you know what, enough's enough. They don't deserve for me to die for them. He could have done that. He could have given up. He could have stepped away. But Jesus, to the very end, chose to die for you. That's the all-in of Jesus. In fact, the very last thing that he said on the cross of Calvary is this. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus surrendered himself in death for you. But even before he died on the cross, his heart's cry was for you. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me that the night that Jesus was arrested, he had gone to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He took his disciples along with him, and and while in the garden, he separated for a moment, and he spent some time in earnest prayer. Now, this wasn't a, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep prayer. This wasn't a rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen prayer. But this was a serious, deep agony, heart's cry prayer. Take a look at this. Luke chapter 22, verse 42 through 44. Jesus is praying, and he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He he knew full well that just hours later, accusations would begin to fly. 
He knew just hours later that they were going to drive nails in his hands and his feet. He, he knew that they would place a crown of thorns of mockery into his brow and blood would begin to stream. He knew that they would beat him almost unrecognizably. And in this moment, he's crying out to the Father, Father, if you will, take this cup of suffering from me. But if not, let your will be done not mine. Goes on in verse 43 to say, then the angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and as he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. He was in such agony in that moment of prayer, that blood began to flow through the sweat glands and the pores in his body. That's the turmoil that Jesus went through for you. Now Luke, as he was writing Luke chapter 22, he says, Jesus' sweat, it fell like great drops of blood. Some perceive that maybe because Luke used the word like, that it just it resembled clots of blood falling to the ground, but there's a rare physical phenomenon known as hematidrosis. Now, hematidrosis is this condition in a moment when a person is in great emotional stress or great strain in their life that the tiny blood vessels rupture in the sweat glands and produces a mixture of blood and sweat. That's what we believe Jesus went through as he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane for you. Father, if you will, take this cup of suffering from me. Lord, Lord, if you will, remove this from me. But if not, Lord, your will be done, not mine. See, Jesus in that moment was surrendering his will for you. That's the agony that Jesus went through as he prayed over the situation, knowing full well what he would soon experience in the crucifixion process. The pain, the beating, and ultimately the separation from the Father. I want you to hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. If you skip back to verse 43, we see that the Bible says that the angel of the Lord showed up on the scene as a source of strength for Jesus. Now, one commentary that I was processing through read it this way. They made this connection. An angel could not come and die for our sins, but they could come and strengthen Jesus as he accepted his purpose as our perfect sacrifice. That's the all-in commitment of Jesus. But why did Jesus need encouragement? Why did he need the angel to come and strengthen his life in that moment? Was it because he was concerned about the pain that he would soon go through? Was it the fact that he would be beaten severely 
Some state he was beaten almost unrecognizable. Now, perhaps it was the fact that he would be ridiculed. Was it the embarrassment of hanging on a cross, a, a criminal's cross? All of these could have played a, a role in this agony. But I think more than anything else, Jesus knew what this all-in commitment for you entailed. He knew the weight of the sin that he would soon carry. He knew the weight of your mistakes. He knew the weight of my mistakes. And he knew that taking that upon himself would soon bring into the place that he had never been before. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, oh my God, my God, why have you abandoned? What just happened here? Up to this moment, it was a crucifixion as normal. There was mocking. There was a crown of thorns. There was the beating. Yet at noon that day, something changed. A separation from the Father and the Son. For three hours, darkness struck the face of the land. Now this wasn't just a cloud-covered day. But this was truly spiritual darkness. Why, Why did the sky turn black? Why was darkness taking over? Because Jesus became sin for you and for me. In that moment, Jesus experienced something that he had never experienced before. The Father, God, turned his back on the Son. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why Have you abandoned me? Can you imagine the agony of that separation? See, this is something that you and I never have to experience. Oh, we may have moments, we may have days when we feel that we're by ourselves. There may be times when it feels like we're kind of spinning out of control. But I want you to know, the Bible tells me that my God will never abandon us. My God will never forsake us. My God will never turn his back on us. Why? Because Jesus was all in. Because Jesus paid the price. Because Jesus bore our, the weight of our sin upon, our, upon his lives. Because Jesus bore that separation between the Father and him. You and I never have to experience that. Darkness covered the face of the earth. But why would God do this? Why would God, knowing that Jesus was coming with the purpose of taking our sins upon his life, why would the Father turn his back on the Son? Because Jesus 
and sin cannot coexist. For the first time ever, Jesus was separated from God. Jesus experienced something, again, that you and I will never have to face. God promises to always be with us. There'll be days when you hurt. There'll be days when you struggle. There'll be days when chaos is all around you, but I want you to know that God desires to meet you where you are. And he simply stands at the door of your life and he knocks. And he waits. And he knocks. Waiting for you on the other side of that door to welcome him in, to invite him in, to allow him to come in to your situation, to your circumstance, to bring peace, which the Bible says his peace is not like the world's peace, but his peace surpasses our understanding. He offers hope, he offers forgiveness. Oh, but pastor, I don't deserve forgiveness. I've messed up too many times. I've made too many mistakes. Can I just tell you some good news today? You're not too far gone for God. John 3, 16, very well-known scripture, for God so loved the world. You're part of that world. For God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. God is all in. Jesus is all in for you. Jesus surrendered his will for you. The second demonstration is this. Jesus surrendered his life for you. He surrendered his life for you. Look at this scripture. In Romans chapter 5, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ, Jesus, came at just the right time. Come on, Jesus is never late. Jesus comes at just the right time for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, But God showed his great love for us. Who's included in that? Every one of us. But God showed this great love for us by sending Christ, Jesus, to die for us while we were still sinners. Come on, look at that. It doesn't say that God sent Jesus to die on the cross when we got everything cleaned up. Did you know that that we're a work in progress? Look at your neighbor say, you're a work in progress. Come on, every one of us in the room, we're a work in progress. That's why we need Jesus. Because we all make mistakes, we all fall short, we all fail. We say things we shouldn't say, we think things we shouldn't think, we go places we shouldn't go, we do things we shouldn't do. That's why we need Jesus. And the Bible says that out of his love, God showed us his grace and his mercy by sending Jesus to die on the cross 
while we were still messing up. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt helpless? Sure, we all have. But Jesus took our place. He paid the price that we deserved to pay. Yet truthfully, in our ability, there's no way we could have made it on our own. Romans chapter 3 reminds us that we all mess up. Every one of us falls short. But Jesus, out of his love, out of his all-in commitment for you and for me, died once for all. He chose to offer forgiveness to you, stating this on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Come on, look at that. Luke chapter 23, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I want you to wrap yourself around that this morning. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the one that lived a perfect, sinless life, willingly surrendered his life for you and for you. For you and you and you and you and you and for me. Jesus gave it all for us. This morning you may be here and and you're not allowing yourself to receive the forgiveness of God. You've excused your way out. You've given so many reasons why you can't receive God's grace. Satan, our enemy, he keeps reminding you of your past. But the Bible says that when we give our lives to Jesus, here's the cool thing, hold on to this, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, the old life that we used to live is gone, is dead, is buried, but a new life is raised up. Does that mean that from that moment forward, you're always going to be perfect? No. But it means from that moment forward, you keep returning to God. You keep surrendering to God. You keep walking toward Him. You keep saying, Lord, here I am. Today is a new day. Today, God, I'm going to be closer to you than I was yesterday. And then the next day you say, God, I'm going to be closer to you today than I was yesterday. And then the next day you say, God, I'm going to be closer to you today than I was yesterday. And the next day you say, God, I'm going to be closer to you than I was yesterday. And before you know it, you find yourself coming closer and closer and closer and closer to God. Why? Because He's all in for you, because Jesus is all in for you, because Jesus paid a price that you deserve to pay, because Jesus offered you grace and mercy. I don't care what your past has been. It doesn't matter what your past has been. Your future is bright. Come on, let me say that again. It doesn't matter what your past has been. Your future is bright. Jesus declared forgiveness for you over 2,000 years ago. No matter what the enemy keeps telling you, you've got to remember Satan is a liar. In fact, the Bible says that not only is he a liar, but he's the father of lies. He's the daddy liar. But we got to turn to God and say, Lord, I give you my life. And here's what I want you to hear today. You are worth forgiving. Would you look at your neighbor today? Would you say you're worth forgiving? 
that's perhaps the first time that some of you have heard that statement. There are some of you in the room today, there are some of you that are watching online today, and your whole life, this is what you've heard, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be good enough. You're a failure. You're a fraud. You're going to be the same junk you've always been, no matter what you do. You're going to keep coming back to that. You're never going to change. I want to debunk that today. Because of the all-in commitments of Jesus. Listen carefully. You are worth forgiving. You are worth forgiving. There's a third demonstration I want to share with you today is this. Jesus conquered death for you. 1 Peter chapter 3 says it this way, Christ Jesus suffered for our sins once for all time. Now what does that mean? That means that in the Old Testament time, in order for your sins to be taken care of, they would have a sacrifice. They would bring an animal and sacrifice that animal. And that sacrifice would cover your sins temporarily for a time. But Jesus came once for all, to die once for everyone. Jesus' sacrifice is a forever sacrifice. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for you. This is the whole reason why Jesus came as a baby in a manger. We celebrate Christmas with a sole purpose to give us a better way, to be our sacrifice, to truly conquer death for each and every one of us. Now, if we were being completely honest with ourselves, we would admit that we probably don't deserve forgiveness. That there's nothing that we can do to earn his love. Yet here's the great thing about grace. God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. That's the grace of God. It's unmerited, unearned favor from God. He gives us what we need, not what we Deserve. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that his purpose was to give you life and life more abundantly. He said the enemy, the enemy is going to show up in your life and he's going to try to steal from you. He's going to try to kill you. He's going to try to destroy you. But Jesus came that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Then I read in 1 Peter chapter 1, because Jesus was raised from the dead. Come on, that's why we're celebrating today. He was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Come on, look at this. 
You don't have to stay in this spiral of frustration. You don't have to stay in this circle of chaos. You don't have to remain amongst the brokenness of life because Jesus is all in for you. He offers you a better way today. You don't have to wait until you get all cleaned up. Come on, that's good news. Some of you have been trying to clean up for years. Some of you have been trying to get on the right path for years. Can I give you a little hint today? The way to get on the right path is go to the one that's got the answer. Come on, that should have made somebody get excited. The way to get on the right path is to go to the one that's got the answer. Can I just tell you, the one that's got the answer is Jesus. Jesus is all in for you. Would you turn to him today? Would you trust in him today? In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he makes this appeal. It's the same appeal that I make to you today. He says, we are workers together with God. So we beg you. We urge you. I love how the King James says it. We beseech thee. Isn't that a great word? I beseech thee, I urge you today, do not let the grace that you received from God be done for nothing. He says, don't let it be done in vain. Literally, don't allow it to have no purpose. He goes on in verse 2 to say this, but today, today is the day of salvation. Now is your opportune time. Today we have discovered, we've processed through the fact that Jesus was all in. But I've got a question for you. How will you respond? Rylan, if you'll come. Are you ready to go all in with Jesus? God's all in. Jesus, by demonstrating a life of sacrifice for you, by surrendering his will, by dying on the cross, by conquering death, hell, and the grave, Jesus went all in for you. But I wonder, are you willing today to go all in with Jesus? Grab a hold of this. This is going to blow some of your minds. An interesting fact about Easter is this. It did not begin as a religious celebration. In fact, Easter isn't about religion whatsoever. The purpose of Easter is not for religious people. If you're not particularly a religious person, if you have little to no religious background, if you don't feel that you connect with God, if you rarely go to church, congratulations, this is your holiday. This is it. Now, that may shock some of you, but understand this. Jesus did not come for a group of religious people. A pastor friend of mine used to say it this way. When Jesus died on the cross, religion hung around the cross. But God's love hung on the cross. Jesus didn't come for a bunch of people that thought they had it figured out. He's interested in a relationship 
with you. In fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? He says, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life. Changed inside and out. Come on, Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. I didn't come to re reach those that, that think they're religious. I haven't come for those that think they've got it figured out. I've come for those that are broken. I've come for those that are messy. I've come for those that make mistakes. I've come for those that falter. I've come for those that are sick in spirit. I've come to give them life, to change them from the inside out. Jesus came for you. It doesn't matter your background today. You may be here and, and you're Catholic. You may be here and you're Protestant. You may be Pentecostal or Buddhist or Baptist. No religion at all. God says it doesn't matter. See, what God is looking for is not a title. What God is looking for is your hearts. He wants to help you to change from the inside the price that Jesus paid for you has the potential, listen carefully, it has the potential, if allowed, to radically change your life today and your eternity tomorrow. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. How will you respond today? Will you admit to yourself and, and to God that you need Him? Will you turn your life over today? Will you submit yourself to His authority? The Bible says that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all the wrong we've ever done. See, one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was this. It is finished. Those three simple words changed everything for us. Because if you look back to the original language, it means it is finished, it stands finished, and it always will be finished. Jesus made an eternal commitment in that moment of sacrifice for you. And today, he looks across all time and he sees your face and he says, would you come would you allow me to change you from the inside out if we confess our sins, the Bible says. God's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all the wrong we've ever done. Well, Pastor, what about that thing I did last week? All the wrong we've ever done. What about what I said to so all the wrong we've ever done. God sees you today and he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he simply says, can I come in? You're worthy of forgiving. I love you. I'm all in. What about you? Would you pray with me today? Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.